This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good morning, one and all. A beautiful Saturday morning. By gosh, it's great Not too hot, which is no, nice. Perfect. We're staying in the low mid-20s, which yep. I guess is a little bit below average. But that's okay. After all that heat, nice to kind of... Just relax yeah, a little bit. Relax. Yeah, yeah. Frank Rocker here, the uh, sous chef of the garden, yes, welcoming right. everyone aboard. And by the way, just in case they've got the radio turned on uh, on the uh, Collingwood Elvis bus, mm-hmm. good morning to everybody on board there. Uh, greeted a whole bunch of them out in the, the parking lot. Gang as they, out there. Just about, I guess they're on their way right about oh, now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, complete weekend. Heading up to, oh, oh really? What do you yeah, mean complete? They yes. spend the night and everything? No, no. Oh, uh, but these, these guys will be going up for today and then another group going up tomorrow, oh, I think. Wow. So it's going to be. It's a wild, uh, wild goings on. It's a big on. event. You betcha. So, perfect, perfect weather for that. Okay, we've got a perfect uh, day for you to call in, my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, better find the phone number, though, uh, for Toronto. If you want to reach <laughs> Make Charlie. Make sure it's the right number, yeah, I my will. <laughs> call 416-360-0740. Then anywhere in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, keep in mind our little mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. If you happen to be a first-time caller, let either uh, Sebastian or our new trainee out there on the board, Ainsley, let them know uh, if if you are a first-time caller and... When you come to the air, you get your garden wings. You get your bell, and you get yeah. your wings, and before you know it, you're flitting around, having fun in the garden, and <laughs> okay. never wanted to inside again. Because uh, that's what happens when you get the gardening bug. Uh, okay, a couple things going on, yep. as is my wont. Uh, this weekend, Garden Walk Buffalo, right now, starting at 10 a.m. this morning, running through till 4, today and tomorrow. Immerse yourself in the largest free garden tour in all of North America. Uh, over 65,000 visitors come from all over the states, Canada, and even further abroad. It is free. It is self-guided. Uh, and there are nearly 400 urban gardens in beautiful historic neighborhoods of the city. Wow. Nice way to discover mm-hmm. bits of, parts of Buffalo you may never have seen. Or you may have... Steal a, some say, neat ideas. Not to mention, every yeah. garden tour offers opportunities to steal ideas for sure. But I think sometimes we get the sense of what is Buffalo and then... This is a great way to see another aspect of uh-huh. what, what is Buffalo. Uh, so they do have shuttle buses buzzing around, and they've got historians on on hand to talk about historical buildings. So for more information and to download your map or your guides, go to www.gardenwalkbuffalo.com. 
uh, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Thursdays are still a happening thing at the Toronto Botanical Gardens mm-hmm. every Thursday evening. Music starts at 7 p.m. It runs right through until the end of August, every Thursday. Meanwhile, of course, there's a farmer's market going on all afternoon. There is a bistro. There's a botanical bar. Uh, there's the patio where you can sit and relax. There's um, gardens, of course, free guided tours of the Toronto Botanical Gardens. And the garden shop, which is full of all kinds of lovely decor and essentials. Bring your own picnic blanket or chair and sit down, relax, just enjoy the gardens and the music and the food and the ambiance Thursday evenings. Um, and, of course, Royal Botanical Gardens, also one of our public gardens, busy with lots of activities, keeping the family entertained. This weekend, the Spirits of Paradise tours in Hendry Park and the Rock Garden, edible weekends, so discover pickling, cooking demonstrations, discover pond plants and free back-to-nature hikes. So, yeah, get outside, get out and enjoy some of the beautiful gardens and stuff that's going on. Okay. And we'll get to our callers in just a couple of moments. As a matter of fact, Marie is on the line from Kitchener, and we'll be uh, saying hi to her momentarily. Have to take a little bit of a break as we progress along here on a Saturday morning, The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin on the air. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, we have a couple of lines open right now, 416-360-0740 in Toronto, and anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Possibly that's the number that Marie and Kitchener use. We'll find out. Hi, good morning, Marie. Welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you for welcoming me. Morning. I have a, I think, I'm sure it's slugs eating my moonflowers. And uh, I love them. I love to watch them open up at night. And they're still usually, uh, because I, I uh, get afternoon sun in my front flower bed, so mm-hmm. sometimes they're still looking really good when mm-hmm. I get up, mm-hmm. except something has been eating them, and eating them right down to nothing. Eating mm-hmm. the flowers or the leaves or the both? Flowers, the okay. flowers. And obviously at night. And yes. uh, do you have irrigation system like automatic irrigation? No, no. So no. it's not like you're real wet in there. Uh, oh, right. And you're not seeing um, any actual little rascals in there. You're no, just seeing no. the damage. That, no, that's right. That's right. You know what? I think it probably is more than slugs. I bet you it's earwigs. Oh. Because earwigs eat everything, and they particularly love flower petals. And they'll start mm-hmm. on the edges of the petals, and they'll chew in. So if you if the sun comes up and they have to go hide for the day, it'll look like somebody went along with p- pinking shears, and oh. and they're all fringed, all the petals that oh, shouldn't be yeah. fringed. Okay. That's totally what earwig damage looks like. And because it's been quite dry, that's why I, I, um, I don't suspect slugs. Oh. If it had been raining and raining and raining, or you had automatic irrigation, yes, I would probably support that it's probably slugs. No. Okay. So either way, what do you do? I mean, the best... There's really no uh, bait or, or anything to kill earwigs. There are, there are little bait uh, pellets you can use for slugs and snails. So on principle, I'd probably get a hold of a bag of that. And that's available at any you know, home hardware or Canadian Tire. And it'll say right on it, slug and snail bait oh. in, a, in a little Ziploc bag. So get a hold of that, follow the instructions, sprinkle that around plants that you suspect might be getting chewed. What about the old garden hose routine for the... Uh 
uh, for the earwigs. earwigs. Yeah, the and the earwigs, the best thing you can do is set up a trap. And so it's old garden hose that you've cut up into lengths, maybe a foot or two long, mm-hmm. and you just lay them on the ground, just blank old hose laid on the ground, and the earwigs will hide inside the hose during the day because they hate the light. They want to be in the dark. Yeah. So, of course... If you leave them and allow them to use that hose, then you're just providing free accommodation. So part of your job is to have a jar handy with some water and a drop of oil or a drop of soap. And uh, and during the day at some point, preferably earlier in the day, but at any point when the sun is up, go out, lift up the hose carefully, tilt the hose upright so all the little earwigs fall out of the hose into the jar and you'll drown them quite effectively. Now, you'll never get rid of all of them, but you'll certainly lower your population by putting out a few little traps like that. Well, that would be helpful. Yes, <laughs> you bet. exactly. Well, less damage is always nice. And like you said, you really appreciate your flowers. You want them to look a certain way. So. Right. So, I yeah. I, I mean, a little bit of work to get out there and do it, but at least you'll be able to see if, if you are trapping earwigs that they're likely the culprit. Some sort of control. Yeah. And they're, they're all nighttime feeders, right? Okay. The, the other thing is you sneak out there in the middle of the, you know, midnight with your little miner's light on, <laughs> and you see who's out there, who's eating what, you know. Right. Surprise right. them and, uh, and do an ID that way. Okay. Well, okay. thank you, Maureen. Thank you. thank you for your help. Thanks for okay. calling. Thanks. Have a great day. Stay with us here on uh, Zoomer Radio. Yeah. And we have, of course, uh, from Mount Hope right now, there's William. Good morning, William. Hi, William. Good morning. Good morning. I'm having a problem with my Japanese maple. It's, the leaves are turning green. I wonder if it needs some fertilizer or what the problem could be. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I wasn't listening to you very well. I was actually gesturing to Frank, so hold on. Yes, I I need to give you the first-time bell. (laughs) First-time caller bell. bell. Right. Thank you for making the call, William. And sorry, I missed your question. So you were saying something about your maple. My Japanese maple. The leaves are starting to turn green. I don't know what the problem is. Could it be that it needs some fertilizer? Okay, so it's supposed to be a purple-leaved Japanese maple? What kind of Japanese maple? Do you know the name, the cultivar name? No, I don't know the name of it right now. But you're convinced it's supposed to be purple? No, they're dark maroon. Oh, okay. So dark maroon, and some of them are turning green. Correct. All right, hmm. so is how is your Japanese maple in a fair amount of afternoon sunlight? No, it's it's getting some shade in the, in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's getting some sun in the afternoons. Yes. Right. That's why it's turning green. It's responding to the light. Um, the brighter the light, the more likely the plant is going to uh, say, oh, good opportunity to do some photosynthesis, and that's where the green comes in. So it's just responding to, and it's actually a good thing because the, the tree will be growing m- more as a result of the photosynthesis it's able to do with the green, which is all about the chloroplasts, etc. So it might look a bit odd right now. It's also the more mature leaves that will always darken down. Sometimes they'll almost turn like black, but they've gone from, it sounds like a dark burgundy to a dark green, uh, and that'd be the older, more mature leaves. I imagine the tips are still quite purple or red. Yes. So it's it's all very it's all just part of the seasonality of our of our the way our garden season works. So we're now into the end of July, and remember, uh, we if you are considering doing any fertilizing, and this is for everybody who's listening, if you're considering doing any fertilizing on trees or shrubs like Japanese maples or perennials, today is your last day. That's it. No more till next spring. Um, now your annual flowers, your petunias, your vegetables, your herbs, those. 
those things you can continue and your lawn we will fertilize later in the fall. But for now, all of our perennial plants, like our trees and shrubs, today is the last day to fertilize. So if you haven't, you, did you fertilize in the spring, the Japanese? Yes, I, I do spring in the, do it in the springtime, yes. And do you use like a, something that you mix up in the watering can or is it a... No, I, I've been using the spikes. Okay, so don't fertilize again then. If you've been using the spikes, you're good, because that's a very slow release, and so there's still lots of nutrient available to the plant. So don't do any fertilizing. Consider next spring doing some fertilizing, but otherwise, no, not not this year. And in terms of the color, I'm afraid you're just going to have to work with it and recognize that it's just part of the way that the season works. All right. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks thank you, for William. Calling. Take, take care of Mount Hope for us, and uh, we'll return to more callers. Don't By the way, be a stranger. A couple of a couple of lines open there right now uh, in Toronto. And the numbers? Yeah, four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty. Four seven forty, and when we come back, maybe we could deal with an email or two because or you, three. You've, or, <laughs> you've had a whack of them coming in uh, very very recently. All righty, mm-hmm. back in moments here with Charlie Dobbin on the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, uh, we're going to come back and say hi to a first-time caller in just a couple of moments. We do have uh, one email you wanted to cover off first. Is that right, or did I get... Absolutely, I can do that. Okay. Because uh, um, a few of them have been piling up, as you pointed out. Uh, Ellen Rainey uh, wrote in and said that she heard us talking about making ant traps, and I think that was mm-hmm. when um, Sean James was here. So she said, I'm having difficulty purchasing, she calls it boracic power. It's actually boric acid, but anyway, uh, which is part of the trap. Can you tell me where I can buy it? So honestly, Ellen, if you're having trouble find, finding boric acid and you've tried like Shoppers Drug Mart, same place where you buy your Epsom salt, then um, just go to a home hardware or a you know home store or a garden center and pick up ant traps, the little round orange oh, yeah. metal mm-hmm. canisters and you poke the punch the holes out from the sides. It's the exact same uh, theory. So inside that is boric acid with some sugar. Mm-hmm. The ants are very attractive they go in, they help themselves to some of that boric acid, and then they take it back to the nest, and theoretically the nest dies. I also have had good success with the liquid ant killer. Same thing. Yep. It's just, it's already pre-mixed for you. You've got to put little drops out along the trails where you're seeing the ants, right. mm-hmm. and they will... Lap it all up, and 24 hours later, you won't see any ants. It's there quite good. Go. It's quite quite effective. Okay. <clears throat> uh, already, with that answered, uh, let's uh, go to the bell, first of all. Yes. Here we are. Oh, First-time yeah. caller, oh, Jan from Guelph. Good morning, Jan. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have a question. Uh, I have a lot of bindweed in my garden. It's overtaking everything, and uh, I just don't know how to get rid of it. I've been told you can't, but I thought I'd ask you. Yeah, it's a hard one to get rid of. Yeah. It's once it gets established, because those roots go deep, and the more you break off the above-ground growth, the more you get multi uh, oh, roots yeah. and shoots coming off the root. Um, so when you say it's all through your garden, see, yeah. the, honestly, the best way to kill bindweed, and it's a bit of a process, is to suffocate it. So it's the old black tarpaulin or the dark tarpaulin over the ground where the bindweed is growing. But that tarpaulin sits there for a minimum of four months, preferably 12 months. So it's not very pretty. 
Wow. All and, right. Okay. Yeah. We'll see what we can do. I mean, the other thing is um, early in the spring, state, you know, it's young and it's just emerging above ground. It's very distinctive with those heart-shaped leaves. Yeah. Uh, get a hold of some Roundup. Roundup is available to control noxious weeds like poison ivy. And I certainly think bindweed could probably fit into the category of noxious weed. What? So you can buy Roundup at your, again, your local garden centers and home stores for the purpose of controlling noxious weeds. But it's early in the spring. You're going to be most effective. Well, just to finish that about Roundup, I did buy some, mm-hmm. and uh, I was told that it's only for, uh, it's not for um, residential properties anymore. Ooh, okay. It was uh, locked up. I had to get it that- and then got it home and found I couldn't use it. Oh, well, no, that's why it is locked up, because they don't want people just uh, just taking it because they think they want it. You have to, to explain to the staff what it is you're trying to kill. Oh, all and, right. Okay, and that, explain. And right. homeowners can buy it and can use it on oh, their properties for oh. the control of noxious weeds. Oh, noxious weeds. Poison all right. ivy you. being the, the, mo- the best mm-hmm. known, right? Good. Thank okay. you very much, Charlie. Oh, uh, you're very welcome. Good Have luck with that. Have a great day, Jan. Thanks for joining us here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Hey, mm. uh, in Toronto, maybe just around the corner, is Evelyn. Good morning, Evelyn. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Our pleasure. I have a very quick question. Mm-hmm. I have a hydrangea that's never bloomed. It's about four years old, mm. and I thought I'll transplant it in, into, the gar- into another spot in the garden, and I'm wondering um, if I could do that at any time. Do you have any idea what kind of a hydrangea it is? Oh, I don't. It had a light pink color. Could it have? Could it have a name like Endless Summer? Oh yes, yes. Okay. So, and where is it growing now? How much light is it getting? It's. I. I believe it's not enough light um, because it's never never bloomed since I bought it. Right. Um, it's in a. It's facing south, but there's so much overhang of trees mm-hmm. um, from behind us that. It really doesn't get as much light as it used to in that spot of the garden. Yeah, the endless summer hydrangeas are another common name is mophead. They get the round flowers. They're typically pink in our limestone-based soil, but they can look kind of purple or blue depending on the pH of your soil. Um, they uh, should bloom reliably, though I find in my experience they don't bloom reliably mm-hmm. uh, every single summer as we wish they would, but they should. Uh, make sure that they are getting some light. Dappled light is best. Uh, morning light is also excellent for hydrangeas. Hot afternoon sun, not so much. They look, they wilt. They look dry when they're not. They just go into a, a really kind of a sad looking, you know, floppy look. And if it's too much sun in the afternoon, but yeah, a couple hours of direct sun in the morning or nice dappled light all day is good. Make sure you water thoroughly when you water, but don't water every day. Every you know, every four or five days, water thoroughly. Also, a fertilizer is important in the spring, um, and yeah, they they have can be a little frustrating because you're so charged up and ready to see some action, and yeah. you don't get it. Now, if you don't have that kind of light levels we're talking about, that you know, the four or five hours of morning light or, or nice dappled light, consider getting a once the uh, hydrangea that's called Annabelle hydrangea. Okay. That one's white, but it's it blooms very reliably even in low light conditions. Okay, so you won't get the pinks or blues, but you will get a nice white, showy hydrangea if you look for the Annabelle. 
So you said five to, uh, four to five hours or... Uh, of morning sun, so four to five hours of morning sun mm-hmm. or six or seven hours of dappled sun. So under a tree with small leaves, perhaps, or or just the idea that the sun is kind of flitting in and out, so it's not hot, hot, burning western location, but uh, but nice, s- soft light. Okay. And you call that dappled? Dappled light is the kind of light we dappled. get beneath a tree that has small leaves. Right, right. Like a birch, for example, or a honey locust, because they have small leaves. So you get some light, some shade, and it's very gentle on the plants. Underneath a maple tree, we do not get dappled light. We get deep shade because yes. the leaves are so big. Right. Right. right? Okay, so maybe not transplanted. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, it just sort of depends what your options are on your property, right? What you've got to work with there. Okay, I really appreciate that. Thanks so much. No worries. Thanks, Evelyn. Have a great day. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Oh, now here's a gentleman who who came up in conversation uh, when we were off air just for Mm -hmm. a moment or so. Um, Warner in Tilsonburg is on the line. Our friend Warner. That's right. And and the reason that we uh, were talking about you, Warner, is Charlie? Uh, an email, but um, I can uh, let Warner's not calling about. He's the he's the gentleman with the magical elixir of skim milk powder <laughs> and right. water bottles and Epsom salts. And first, he's going to give us an update on his tomatoes before he launches into what he's calling it appears about garlic. So, good morning, Warner. Good morning, Charlie. How, how are good your tomatoes looking? Pardon? How are your tomatoes looking? Oh, they're. They're beautiful. They're big, large. It's just... Uh, are you harvesting yet, or are they still green? No, I had three already. Wow. And uh, it's funny, the three that I harvest, you had to find them because the leaves are so... Uh, so thick. They're, they're underneath. Uh, should I trim those leaves? I would probably tr- start trimming some leaves, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. You, it'll speed up the ripening of the tomatoes. Not Don't do too much at for, like fast because the little tomatoes get burned. Yeah. So very gently, just a few leaves over a week. You could you know go in every day, take off a few kind of thing, just to expose the fruit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what's going on with your garlic? Uh, the, I planted garlic last year, mm-hmm. and I thought, some people said you have to buy a special planting garlic, mm-hmm. and I thought that was a myth, so I stuck in any garlic that I had. Mm-hmm. The garlic is uh, very potent. I'm harvesting now, mm-hmm. and uh, but they're small. So are mine, and I'm not sure why Why this is a small garlic year. I might, I don't know, because you see, garlic, you shouldn't have to rotate. You should be able to plant garlic in the same place every year. There's uh-huh. something I'm missing, I think, about garlic, because mine has progressively gotten smaller and smaller over the years. Yeah. But it's great garlic. Oh, uh, yeah, it's potent. But it's so small, and it's frustrating, because yeah. you want, like, big garlic. <laughs> you know, if you're going <laughs> to yeah, have right. garlic, you want to Like have... that elephant stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, now, there is a garlic festival, which is quite an exciting event, and I should have probably brought this up. In Ontario, there's the Garlic Growers Association uh, puts on a festival every summer, and I think it might be in the Toronto area, but it can be in different places. Oh, there's like one in Perth, one in Stratford. Um, Newmarket, Sudbury. 
Niagara on the Lake. Lots and lots of garlic festivals going on, uh-huh. um, and they typically happen right around this time of year, so August. And this is the the great thing about going to the garlic festival. Number one is you can talk to the experts, and they'll explain. Like I need to go obviously to the garlic festival because I <laughs> yeah. need to understand why my garlic is smaller every year, and also you can get a hold of some really cool varieties. So none of this just going to Loblaws and picking up some garlic and hoping it grows. You can actually get some named varieties that are super special and super tasty. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just looking at Stratford Kiwanis Garlic Festival, September 8th and 9th. So next month, or not next month, September, the Toronto Garlic Festival. I'm not seeing a date but there. Charlie. Yeah. I'm way out here. You're way out in Tilsonburg. And I don't want to go to Toronto. I, I don't blame you. I don't well, like no, you. I just said Stratford. Where else would be closer? Uh, London, maybe. Yeah. London. Oh, you want me to find the London Garlic Festival? Okay, so they're all September because there's uh, Toronto. All right, let's see if there's a London. Maybe there's one coming up here. I'm, I'm, I'll keep my eyes open. Yeah, all right. Well, hold on. I've got London. I'm bringing up London. So Garlic Festival, Garlic Travel, Sudbury. You don't want to go to Sudbury, huh? No, I've been there. Just thought I'd ask. All right, so hold on. Is this London, England or London, Ontario? Eighth annual. Oh, no, it's Toronto. Hold on. No, they might not have me on the plane with garlic from London. There you go. England. Garlics of London. Yeah. Uh, it's happening. Well, oh, no, this is, looks, looks like a restaurant. This isn't an, an event. Oh, so there's actually a restaurant called Garlics of London. Ah. Hmm. Interesting. We might need to go down there. We'll Frank have and to I send them a bill for that garlic. little uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm going to throw this back at you. I'm sorry. I wish I could help you, Warner. Uh, Stratford's too far, obviously. And maybe there's something closer. Maybe there's something yeah. Tilsonburg area that uh, you could, you know, and it's you still got time. It's yeah. going to be in the next month when yeah. these uh, festivals are happening. And like I said, to talk to the experts and to get a hold of amazing you know, garlic bulbs to plant is the best. Right. And and that's what I have to look for. I just can't plant any garlic, no. right? You know why? Because some garlic is imported from China. Oh, yeah. Because they grow, the, actually, the most garlic in the world is grown in China. Yeah, and, well, I always look. I don't buy that. No, you shouldn't buy that. And you know why? It's because it ships by, it comes over by ship from China, which is a long, multi-week process to get the mm-hmm. garlic across the ocean. So the garlic is kept in refrigerated uh, containers. When you cool garlic down, you refrigerate it, it starts to grow. So that's why you never keep garlic in the fridge, right? It'll start to grow if you put your garlic in the fridge. Same with the Chinese garlic. It's basically Uh in a fridge when it's traveling. So what they do to avoid it growing, because they'll never be able to sell it if it's growing when it gets here, they irradiate it before it leaves China so that it is a, a dead plant and it will not grow. Oh, as it's neat. being cooled, huh. yeah. So, so you will not find that you'll have very good success with Chinese garlic as a result. It will not grow. It is not a living bulb the way we would expect it to be. Hmm. So, don't okay. buy Chinese garlic. Were we going to ask Werner's help in that uh, little? Well, oh, I think I've got it covered. Oh, you've got that. I covered. think so. Well, okay. Werner, I mean, I've got people keep asking about your your secret <laughs> recipe, but I think I've got it covered. Okay. For the tomatoes. So, if you keep listening, and if I'm wrong, you'll just call back and tell me I'm wrong. But in the meantime, we'll, we've got a few callers, and I've got an email who uh, Diane Campbell wanted to know more about your recipe. Okay. Thanks for calling, Thanks, Werner. Werner. Uh, we have, as a matter of fact, a um, uh, first time caller on the line. Nice. And that would be for Elsa here in Toronto. Good morning, Elsa. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you for taking my call. Our pleasure. Yeah. 
Uh, I have a question. I have the phantom hydrangeas that uh, hydrangeas are uh, like a comb. Yep. And uh, it is, it's very heavy. When I can trim them, it I have so much. <laughs> you missed your <laughs> chance. Beautiful flowers. Yeah, but they're big and they're heavy. Okay, yeah. here's the scoop. For now, okay, if you trim now, which of course you can, you will be trimming away flowers. So yes. you might want to do that rather than have the, tr- the branches break from the weight of all those flowers. Yes. So just trim them so that you can put them in a vase and bring them in the house or enjoy them. Don't just stick them in the composter. However, the best time to trim, now this is, as you point out, it's a cone-shaped flower, which is what we call a paniculata or a PG type hydrangea, unlike the our first caller or second caller, third caller, somebody was, yeah, Evelyn was asking about hydrangeas. We were talking about the round flowers. Those yeah. are the mop heads. What you've got yes. are the conical flowers, yes. which are like the PG or the paniculatas. Uh, they bloom. Yeah, that is, comes like a white and goes when changed in the fall, comes like a Pink. Beautiful dark colors, yeah. you know. They are beautiful. Very mm-hmm. deep the greens and browns. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. That's oh, right. It's and too it, heavy. That's right. And they hang on the tree all winter, so they're quite ornamental. They're bronze all winter. So uh, I have the same thing. I have big hydrangeas. Now, these are ones that need lots of sun, unlike the other hydrangeas. We talked about dappled sun. The yes. conical or PGs need full sun. Yeah. You obviously have that. Do your trimming and do very serious hard pruning in the spring. I'm saying take that shrub and cut it back by a half in the spring. So we're talking early April. I'm going to cut because it's getting too too high to some of the flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't hesitate on a dry day in the spring. Cut it down by half. Uh, Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Elsa. Yeah. Uh, And we have just bumped up to our next break here on the show. So we'll uh, leave a little bit of time for Charlie to recoup. She's been using a a lot of uh, energy here this morning. Tons of knowledge, which is great. And we'll uh, take your calls once again in uh, Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. This is Zoomer Radio, The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, I feel like kind of a conductor, but you're the engineer, and you've put us onto a siding momentarily. Ah, okay. <laughs> so we're getting to deal with the call. I love your that? visualizations. Uh, we'll deal with Dave and, and his call from Glenarm in a moment. But first, you wanted to cover off something. Well, I did mention we had uh, Warner on the line talking about garlic uh, two callers ago. I did receive an email in the last week from Diane Campbell out of Hamilton, and she asked a whole bunch of questions about planting different plants in a cemetery, so I will follow up with Diane via email on that. But she also said she missed the formula for the famous Warner tomato uh, system for growing the biggest and best tomatoes in the world. So grab your pencils, everybody. I'm going to say this one more time. This is Warner's recipe, and if I'm wrong, Warner will have to call back and slap me around. But (laughs) what I understood was you get a plastic water bottle. You cut the bottom out of the plastic water bottle. At each of your tomato plants, you insert that t- water bottle with the neck down at the basically at the root 
into the soil yeah. of each tomato plant. Once a week, into that water bottle, you will put in two teaspoons of skim milk powder and one teaspoon of Epsom salts and water into the water bottle right. once a week. Now, you might water more often than, than just once a week, but bottom line is you only do the skim milk powder and Epsom salts once a week right. into the water bottle. Of course, the water will help make the Epsom salts and the skim milk powder be soluble. And the water bottle protects the skim milk powder from being uh, attacked and eaten by raccoons or whatever critters like the smell of it. It slowly but surely becomes soluble, goes down to the roots of the tomatoes, and feeds the tomatoes so that you've got, you know, award-winning tomatoes. And that's been Warner's experience, and that's why he shared that recipe with us. Excellent. Okay. okay. All righty. Now, uh, off to Glenarm we go. There's Dave. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, folks. Listen, morning. I heard about that call caller for the earwig. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we have used, in the past, there's a powder. Mm-hmm. where hoses aren't practical in that. Uh, it's made out of Brampton, Ontario, uh-huh. and made by Woodstream Canada Corporation. Mm-hmm. It's a chem-free insectagon earwig killer. Mm-hmm. It says it's uh, 100% diatomaceous earth yeah. or uh, silicon dioxide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's pet free. It doesn't affect pets, mm-hmm. fish, mm-hmm. birds, or wildlife. Well, that's mm-hmm. good. Uh, yeah. It's odorless and unstaining. Yep. Good point. Have you? You can get it in most hardware stores. Yeah, you can, and garden centers. Have you tried it? Has, has you oh, had yeah. success yeah. with it? So you're absolutely right. It looks like a white powder, but to, if you got right down to the microscopic, it's actually like, actually like little jagged. shards of glass. Yeah. And so the theory is, is that the insect, the low slung insect, whether it's an yeah. earwig or a slug crawling through this what looks like white powder to us actually lacerates their bellies with these shards and then they ooze out all their bodily fluids and die. That's right. This one says is to touch the powder, ingest it, and literally dry up and die normally within 48 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it does need to re- be replaced after a rain because it will disappear. Oh, yeah. But otherwise, yeah. yes, it can be sprinkled around susceptible plants. So, good idea. I hope that uh, Marie is still listening. Could uh, you repeat the name of it again? Well, it's Just, under different names. Oh, is it? Yeah. So you'll see it. Pro- this one is chem-free, chem-free. insectagon earwig killer. Okay. It's made by Woodstream Canada Corporation out of Brampton. Right. Oh, great so tip. insectagon earwig killer, and yes, you will see it under various um, manufacturers' names. But the main thing is look to the active ingredient, and the active ingredient should say diatomaceous earth or silica dioxide. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for reminding us. Thanks a lot, us. Dave. Not a problem. Have a good one. Yeah, Thank you betcha. You. Thanks for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. with tips. Yeah, exactly. Glad I can't think of everything, you know? <laughs> no, no. Like, I might be a You're walking trying. encyclopedia, but <laughs> I sometimes miss one of those entries. <laughs> hey, Gene in Chatham, welcome to the show. Good morning, Gene. Good morning. Um, I'm having a problem, or I had a problem, with a peony bush. Now, I've had it for about three years, and I have sprayed it with whatever you told me to get. Mm -hmm. And this year, we just dug it out. It looks so awful. Also, the tree that is just in the same area, the peony bush is right in front of it, Mm -hmm. uh, it is covered in mildew. Mm. Did we worry about the tree, or did we spray it with something? uh, What kind of a tree is it, do you know? It's a maple, isn't it, Ron? Yeah, a maple tree. Like uh, like a regular big maple. 
Yeah. Like it's a, and is it old, old, like 20 years old, or is it still No, no, young? no, about maybe less than 10 years old. Okay, plus some maple. So why is there so much mildew in that area? It must be low light. Is it right near the house, perhaps, where it's very shady and there's no air circulation, no wind blowing through at all? Well, that's a possibility because the side that it's on is facing the house and the sun comes from the other side. Right, so it's like... It's not all around. Right, so it could be the north side of the house or the east and just getting the early morning sun. And so that, see, when it comes to mildews, fungus in general, one of the best ways to prevent fungal problems is to ensure adequate light and adequate air circulation for any plants. Because, you know, we don't really think of maples as being super susceptible to mildews, and yet even a mildew, even a maple will go down with a mildew if it's not getting enough light and it's not getting enough air and wind. The other thing would be, look, if it's been in the ground for a couple of years, you said, check if you could be thinning the canopy on that maple a bit so that, because they do tend to grow very dense. So again, I'm sorry, say that again. Maples tend to grow very, very dense and thick. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, we get even less light inside the tree and we get even less air inside the tree. Whereas if we go uh, with our loppers or our long handle pruners and we look and we take out branches that are growing inside the canopy of the tree into the center, they might be crossing and damaging each other. Either way, they are growing into the inside of the tree where we do not want them to grow. We remove all that and suddenly we've got better light and better air and happier plants. Or bottom line, move plants, but you shouldn't have to. You should be able to set up the situation where they can be all right. As long as they're getting that five, six hours, a peony needs minimum six hours of direct sun every day. Okay? Now, is it wise to put a peony in there again, or will it, is the mildew in the ground? Uh, It is, but it's not necessarily going to attack the peony. How much direct sunlight would the peony receive? Well, it's not really receding direct, but it blooms beautifully. Okay, well... It's kind uh, of shady because it's under the tree. Right. Um, so, yes, you could... But, you see, if the other one went down, it declined to the point of having to be composted, I would likely not put another peony back in that spot. I would put something that's more shade tolerant, perhaps some ferns or a hosta or something that's going to handle those conditions and not get covered in mildew and die. And for sure, put peonies elsewhere. I love my peonies, but don't put peonies where they're not happy. Gene, I'm sorry. We have to kind of move along. We're bumping up next to a break here, and we have to do that to give some time to our sponsors, of course. And we will return and have a word with Betty and Etobicoke in just moments here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, in this beautiful Saturday morning, let's welcome Betty in from Etobicoke. Wait, 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 what? Uh, what? Uh, Malcolm in London. What? Oh, was I? I'm oh, sorry. I'm on the side No, I'm sorry. Uh, it yeah, was... Malcolm. Malcolm. All right. All right. Malcolm. I'm sorry about that. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Hi, Charlie. We're going to have a knockdown battle here. How are you? Fine, thanks. Um, I'm, talking, I'm calling about my lilacs. They, mm. They're... They're growing, um, but they don't flower. Mm. Talk to me about and sun. I think I heard you earlier on a 
few weeks back saying if the crumbs were mushy, throw them in the garbage, don't throw them on the heap. True. But what, um, so light, how much light are these lilacs getting? Oh, they get lots of light. Lots of light. But yeah, no blooms. All day long. And when do you prune them? Or do you? Sorry, not lilac. Um, not lilacs. Um, sorry, I don't didn't mean lilacs. The um, not lilies. Glads? No. Oh, geez, I can't remember the name of the damn things now. Gladiolas, maybe you mentioned corms. The corms, yeah. What, what's the corms? Gladiola. Glads? No, no. It's a flower. Callas, cannas. No, no, none of those. So something no. that grows from a bulb but isn't flowering. Oh, not Montbrisha or... Um, no, it's a, it's a flower. Yeah, all those are flowers, actually. Okay. <laughs> no plant. Uh, um, since I'm not exactly sure which plant we're talking about, but it's something that grows from a corm, you could call back and we'll think about it. But yeah, they should flower if they always basic, you know, high organic level of organic material in your soil. So, you know, increased fertility, well-drained soil, lots of light planted at the right depth. All these things are important to get any of the um, dormant bulbs to wake up and flower for us. So, um, yeah, that's what I would suggest right off the bat. But if you think of what the plant is, call right back. Okay, Malcolm? Alrighty, thank Thanks. you very much. Now, let me get those callers now, straight around. Now it's Betty's Betty. turn in right. a double call. Good morning, Betty. Hi. Hi, good morning. Uh, I've got a, a couple of um, aquilegia plants or, or columbines. Yep. Is that the same plant? Yes, it is, yep. And uh, I, I planted two of them about two feet apart, mm-hmm. and they both ended up with uh, a brown powder all over them while the plants around them are just fine. Mm. Uh, what would cause that, and what can I do about it? Okay, so what you're thinking of is, is a brown powder, if you look more closely, is probably actually a tiny, tiny, tiny insect that has chewed out inside the leaves. It's called a leaf miner, and they love columbine or aquilegia, and they chew mm-hmm. out uh, the green in the leaves, and the leaves end up t- looking gray or almost like stained glass with no color, like they're very almost clear. Uh, so likely that's what's happened, is that the leaf miners have had a go. What I would do is get out there with your pruners, obviously cut out all the past flowers, um, you know, the past seeds that are, have been formed. Any of the leaves that have no green on them, remove, take that stuff right off the property, don't put it in the composter, and in the meantime now wouldn't be a bad time to crank some uh, compost or some composted manure around the columbines just to beef them back up for next year because they can really suffer with the infestation of an insect and then not end up coming up again next year because they just too weakened by the uh, infestation. So that's what I would do right now in an effort to get these plants to survive this winter and be back blooming for you next spring. All right, and there's really... They they haven't bloomed yet. Uh, They're new. Okay, they won't bloom this year then, so don't worry about it. That's fine. They they typically bloom late spring, early summer. So if they haven't bloomed this year, they won't bloom this summer. Are they... they, What kind of sun are they in? Uh... Partial sun and shade, more, more sun than shade. Okay, so that should be good. I mean, they they're, they're, they are what we consider a woodland plant. So they naturally grow under the trees in the forest where they get a little bit of light, a little bit of shade, but they love a really um, 
a seriously organic soil. So none of this crappy clay or crappy sand or crappy stuff that we tend to garden on. Make sure you've got a really good loam, you know, leaf litter type of loam to plant these into, and they will be very happy. Okay. Okay. Thank you for calling. All right. And sigh. <laughs> well, I uh, wish I just had you know had all this good news for everybody. It's like sometimes I, just not it's not there. I just know? have to give them all this bad news. Yeah, yeah. How about uh, getting to work. But you've dealt out a whole bunch of good news along the way, Charlie. I think so. Yeah, I do my best. Interesting calls once again. From all thank over. All callers. My goodness. Well, and uh, gosh, across um, the province. Yeah, we're, we're going to be heading out uh, after the show here. Brecky time. Brecky time. I think it's your your paying right. Uh, I, no, oh. actually no. Dry toast then. If oh, I'm paying. gee, uh, Dry water. Toast. Yeah. Water. Dry toast. <laughs> no Thanks, ice, <laughs> even. <laughs> and you're back, of course, this yep, afternoon. Yeah, one o'clock. I'll be yeah. here. Yep. And then you're heading back up to your brand new deck. Yes. It's yes. Very exciting nice. Exciting stuff. Very exciting. So thank you, Frank, and thank you, Sebastian, and welcome, Ainsley. You guys did a fine job on the other side of the glass. Thanks for great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.